Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, where we are making old school young again. I'm your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard. I am the R in OSR, and uh, this evening uh, we have the distinct pleasure of uh, hosting Double D, Diversity's, Diversity and Dragons, on Rollin' Bones tonight. Uh, I I'm looking forward to this conversation. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be really interesting. Um, so I'm not going to beat around the bush too much. Just want to remind everyone, if you enjoy what you see here tonight, uh, please like, share, and subscribe. That is the, uh, the best way to get the word out about Roland Bones. And of course, you can find me on all the various social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at Howard underscore Ryan Gregg. On YouTube, I am Roland Bones. And at Twitch, I am twitch.tv slash Roland Bones Ryan. And I also want to remind everyone that... Uh, I have the T Public shop. So if you are interested in some Rollin' Bones merchandise, you can find that. Let's make that bigger than me. Over here on the Bonehead Emporium at T Public. Got some great designs here. If you were at North Texas RPG Convention, you probably saw Levi Combs walking around with the Bonehead hoodie on. That's also available as a t shirt. And you probably also saw me walking around with the Rollin' Bones logo shirt. There's also the RP Gorillas shirt, which I am personally very proud of. Uh, not moving as many of those right now, but you know what? I, you know, these are three solid designs. So if you guys like them and if you want to support the show, that is a great way to do it. All right. So without further ado, let me go ahead and get that off the screen. Let's bring on the man of the hour, the uh, the guest that you guys are all waiting to see here. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at We Wheaton. That is a great Twitter handle, all things considered. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Rolling Bones for the first time, Double D from Diversity and Dragons. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. How are you? Sorry to give you a uh, a bit of a heart attack. I was I was trying to get ready here. I, I told Ryan, um, "Don't worry, brother. I'll be on at 8:50." I go on at 8:50, and uh, my my $250 Shuri microphone decides to shit the bed. So <laughs> desperately trying to like reboot the computer, figure out what's going on. So <clears throat> going with the, uh, with the backup mic. <laughs> it almost doesn't matter how like fancy or expensive or nice your equipment is at yeah. the end of the day, it's going to crap the bed at least once. It'll find a way. I like the shades too. Uh, oh, thank you. It's a good look. I should try that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's weird because, I guess I still do it, but I mean, if you watch the live plays, I, I don't wear them uh, during the live plays because I'd never be able to see anything. I can barely see anything during like live streams, but I don't know. I guess people are just kind of used to me wearing them. I don't know. I guess I guess it's better than looking at a uh, over fifty year old guy's uh, <laughs> real face. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll do what we have to to uh, to hide our multitude of uh, <laughs> frailties. Absolutely. Although there there might be a percentage of my audience that's upset by me wearing the sunglasses. Uh, <laughs> Lena, Victor you know. Gorchev in particular talks <laughs> about how handsome I am. So I know I, I've known uh, Victor a little bit now. Uh, I, I think he'll make an exception tonight. Uh, I, Absolutely. I got a <laughs> Absolutely. We because we have a theme tonight. We we have you on the show, so we have to we have to match here. Every yeah. now and then, I like to do a theme rolling bones. I learned something from your. Uh, I watched your last live play. Um, I, I can't remember the gentleman's name. Uh, he was a good guest, but uh, something that I think maybe I had learned at one point 
in my life, but I think mm-hmm. I had forgotten. And that's that uh, medieval Europe did not have potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. DM Blackwall. He He's great. Yeah, he was a good guest. Yeah. I, I love any chance I get to talk about like medieval history and how you can incorporate that in your role playing. I've seen a lot of people just kind of scoff at that. They're like, oh, there's elves and dragons. Why does it need to be realistic? And I'm like, because it's cool. It's interesting. Lots of interesting things happened in history. It would really come into play uh, in the setting that we play in, which is, uh, you know, TSR's old uh, world birthright, uh, which Hmm. is real heavily based on medieval Europe. Absolutely. Um, Low magic, good setting. Hmm. Well, we, of course, have to kick this off the way that we kick off every episode of Rolling Bones. There are questions everyone gets asked when they come on here. So let's begin at the very beginning. Double D, how did you get into uh, tabletop role-playing games? Uh, well, I was, I don't want to say I was there um, for the dawn, but I was, I was there for the morning. Um, you know, I bought, or my parents probably bought <laughs> the, uh, the basic set. Uh, I'm thinking probably either 81 or 82. I'm going to guess 81. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly, it, it's been so long ago, I can't even remember what spurred me other than it was it was kind of big at the time so it would have been obviously pretty uh, common for you know a 10 11 year old kid to uh, to want that and i just remember being blown away um and then um i i guess it just speaks to um certain types of people you know i was i was always one of those guys that could kind of walk the line i'm not a big sports fan i've always been a huge baseball basketball football hockey Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've always been, you know, also, you know, I, I like nerd stuff, too. So I kind of, like I said, well, walk that walk that line, walk that fence, hmm. you know, and I just started to, um, you know, get into AD&D. And then I met uh, my friend Gavin Morgan, who you can see on our live plays, uh, me and him hit it off. And, you know, we're of, uh, you know, very similar mindsets. And uh, we started playing a lot of one on one games like James Bond. Uh, Star Trek from uh, FASA back in the day. Mm. And uh, we couldn't find like a stable group. So it was kind of just me, him, and occasionally like uh, maybe another player. So that's kind of how I spent the 80s, uh, at least the early to mid 80s. Hmm. Now, I have to ask, as as someone else who also kind of walks that line and has for you know quite a long period of time, was there ever a point in your life where you felt torn kind of one way or the other, where you were more, you know, I have to kind of reject the being into sports because I'm so into gaming and, and nerd culture, or I have to reject the nerd culture because I'm so into sports. <laughs> Not really only because the pull of the nerd stuff wasn't quite as strong as you may think. Um, hmm. It was just kind of something we did like, Hey, you know, what, what are we doing this weekend? Hey, we could, you know, we could play uh, this. Um, and honestly, it, my situation was too, because it was just really just, it was like me and my friend Gavin. So it was really just him. So I, I didn't have to worry yeah. about, uh, yeah. about the embarrassment uh, of it getting out. And I, I can't stress that enough. Um, boys and girls, it, <laughs> after, a, after a time, you know, it went through that high point in the very early eighties. And then at about the mid eighties, um, it was not, it was not very cool <laughs> anymore. Yeah. And, uh, you, you were pretty much a nerd and, um, yeah, you, that, that's something you kept hidden, but, I was able to keep it hidden well. And honestly, probably from 
85, 86. Uh, from the time I started to get a job, um, started to get into bars, <laughs> started started to uh, appreciate the uh, the fairer sex. Um, <clears throat> I, I did sort of uh, just kind of fall away, you know. Not that mm-hmm. I re- honestly, you know, what I uh, replaced it with was uh, uh, war gaming. Yeah. Um, you know, t- like Avalon Hill. Uh, oh yeah. You know, me and Gavin would get into that. You know, we played. We had another friend who definitely played this stuff. Mm-hmm. So we were, you know, we play games like Third Reich. Uh, a Russian campaign, and a lot of classic games. So I, I kind of did fill my, um, you know, my gaming Jones during that time, uh, but it was more just you know kind of strategic games. And then in uh, when I got out of college, you know, I, I had kind of gone through. I met the you know woman who was going to be my wife, and um, kind of felt comfortable getting back into uh, gaming. You know, my wife was working with people, and we were just talking one one day and they're like hey have you ever played this game dnd i'm like well yeah i did a while ago but they're like we really need somebody to run a game and uh <laughs> the rest is history mm-hmm. absolutely yeah it's it's interesting i was talking to uh my friend lou alu this was on his show this old dungeon we were talking about uh dark sun mm-hmm. and he said i always meant to get into dark sun but in 1991 i was more interested in girls and cars than i was role-playing <laughs> yes. games yeah, I mean, it's it, it was a different time, um, but I, I'd like to think some of that is just being a guy, right? Yeah, I mean, you're just that's Absolutely. when you're it's kind of when you're at your, you know, the hormones are running the deepest. And it's not that you like disavow it and say, oh, God, I hate it. You know, what was I ever doing? It's just like I, I just don't have time for that right now, you know, because if you had put a if you did put a book in front of me during that time, I'd have been like, Oh yeah, this is kind of cool. You know, I'd, I'd read it, but I'd be like, I'm not going to go to the trouble of organizing a game. I'm, I want to know where I'm going to go out next Friday. <laughs> you know, yeah. which, which bar are we going to fellas? Uh, <laughs> yep. You know, so it's, yeah, I, I under, and you know, uh, dark sun too. That's, um, that's a setting. Um, I always appreciated. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the, that's the one with like the insect guys, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. The Thrykreen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The Thrykreen. Yeah, always looked cool to me. I, I don't know if it was ever um, really in our wheelhouse, but I always appreciated it, even if it wasn't probably for me. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Rex Teal, D&D is sort of cool again, but the people who play it have gotten, I think, less cool. Yes. Yeah, it's become, <laughs> it's, it's weird because we would talk about, um, we, we would call it the gaming closet. When, when I first started um, I went through the nineties, started my birthright campaign, you know, okay. It, it petered out a little bit towards the late nineties. So there was like a, maybe a one year gap where we didn't really do much at all with it. And then I essentially found my current group, uh, at about 2000, the dawn of, uh, third edition. But, uh, we, you know, back then we, we had a, a code at the table and we said it out loud, like, all right, guys, I mean, you don't talk about D and D club, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you don't talk about fight club. You don't talk about D and D club every Friday at our house. Um, yep. you, you just don't do it. And now we, you know, we would always say like, well, maybe there'll be a day when, um, you know, it'll, it'll be accepted. We don't have to worry about that. And we are like, yeah, you know, that sort of pie in the sky <laughs> uh, feeling. And yeah, now that it's here, it's like, I want to go back into the closet so bad. <laughs> I don't want to be associated with a lot of these folks at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Other than its its position right now is kind of a front in, uh, I guess, uh, a very lazy front. We'll call it the uh, 
Italian Austro-Hungarian front of the <laughs> of the, uh, of the uh, culture war. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's not one of Meat's many uses here in chat. Um, Good guy, Meat. I didn't like the environmental message of Dark Sun, but I think I did like that it was melee class heavy. Here's the thing about the environmentalism of Dark Sun. Uh, when you stick players in that world, it doesn't matter because they're just like, oh, you mean I can just kill grass and birds to make my fireball bigger? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I can see the allure. <laughs> but no, it's... There, there's something interesting about this. I stole this phrase from um, Richard C. Meyer, um, your boy Zach. It's good because I stole my channel name from him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, uh, there's one video he made a couple years ago where he said, nerd culture needs to be shoved back into the locker. And... Yeah. The more that I've kind of ruminated on that thought, the more I agree with it. There's almost this kind of stoicism quality of keeping a part of yourself contained and private. And, you know, you share that with a certain group of people yeah. and it becomes kind of it's a healthy thing to have outlets like that. But when you take something like that and put it at the forefront of your personality and you make essentially this consumer brand loyalty i will you know tattoo your company's logo on my arm thing as your like identity that everyone can see that's where you get into just complete insanity because at that point you're no longer just enjoying something with a select group of friends you are now an evangelist for a brand Correct. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very well put, you know, about kind of the, uh, you know, the, the, the stoicism involved and just like, you know what, I will, I will bear, I will bear this burden, you know, silently because it, it is one of those things, you know, on the face of it, it is a fairly ridiculous hobby. Is it not? When you, when you yeah. have to, when you have to explain it out loud to somebody who has no idea, don't tell me you've never been slightly embarrassed or shrunk <laughs> as you, as you've done so, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it is one of those things that lends itself to just kind of like, you know what, this is a, a small burden to bear and mm -hmm. uh, I will, I will keep this silent. And yeah. And now the fact that it, it is being shouted for, you know, from the rooftops and, you know, good Lord, you got like guys from the Cleveland Browns, you know, <laughs> playing. It's like, man, this, this isn't what it once was. I'm not saying, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm done with it. Cause I'm not one of those, just kind of, you know, uh, anti-authority, you know, authority or, you know, mm -hmm. what, you know, I guess it would be a contrarian, I, I suppose. Yeah. I'm not one of those people, but man, it just, it just makes me shake my head like, geez, I, mm -hmm. I wish it would just go away. When, when is the crash like in the, you know, the mid to late eighties, you know, when is that going to happen? <laughs> yeah. And, and there's this like feeling of you didn't pay your dues to be here. Like, and mm -hmm. I understand, you know, it, I'm glad that people don't get beat up for reading comic books anymore. That's not what I'm trying to say right, here. Right. Um, but there's this feeling of we endured a lot of uh, crap for liking what we liked. And I was probably the last generation to actually endure that crap. I'm 27 years old. Mm -hmm. So right as I was leaving high school, um, that's when Marvel got really big and it's really kind of around the MCU that this explosion of geek culture kind of radiates. 
but I remember liking comic books and, you know, liking fantasy and stuff like that, just not being cool at all. And I remember being picked on for it. So yeah, th- there's this element of, yeah, you, you know, you guys don't know how good you have it in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, again, it's, uh, it's, it's well said. Um, I, I think Marvel, um, you know, as much as people enjoyed it and, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it maybe not as much as some people, but boy, uh, we, we are paying the price, uh, for, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, they have just, uh, driven nerd culture into the ground. Yeah. Um, but it's, the thing is it won't die. It's like it's you get all the worst things about it. It's not that you don't have that healthy like death and rebirth cycle. It's just mm-hmm. they've driven it into the ground. It's a shell of, you know, what it was, but it won't go away either. So it's yeah. just going to keep this like zombie like, you know, persona. And it's Brutal. it's one of these things. Um, the, the best explanation I ever heard from it actually came from Michael Malice. And he talks about culture being made at the fringes. So creativity kind of starts from the outside and you can, I'll use comic books as an example here, just cause you know, it's been brought up. Comic books were 10 cent trash when they, the, the first issue of action comics or detective comics or captain America cost 10 cents. They were meant to be read and then thrown away by kids. Yep. And from these, we get, you know, the, these ideas, these cultural juggernauts, in the making like Superman and Batman and Captain America and Spider-Man. Then you move on to this phase of kind of broader adoption. You start with people who are closer to the edges. They start adopting it. Then it becomes cool. And once it's cool, you start to get the tourists who come in. And once the tourists are in, then you get the corporations and the corporations then sand off all the stuff that made it cool to make it palatable to an even wider audience. And then you end up with this thing that was once cool and edgy and different is now sanitized and corporatized and shined up and appropriate for all audiences. And we are firmly in that phase in tabletop role-playing right now. Yeah, we could, we could have used some gatekeeping, although I'm not sure, you know, it's a, it's a good term to to throw around and in, in concept. Yeah. But it's almost like, how do you stop, these folks you know what, what do you do go beat down their doors and, and say you can't do this it's just it's just sort of sometimes happens you know it's the natural like you said progression it's it's happened in other places um you know it, it's gonna happen here or it is happening here as you say um and uh yeah we're we're really pay, paying the price for it um you know it's just i think in the end though um it, it might be a little different here and that i think I think the hobby is really just going to split into two, you know, yeah. it's just, just going to be, uh, you know, call it what you want OSR or, you know, whatever, just normal people, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. or just kind of, kind of gravitate towards one end and, you know, there'll be some overlap, you know, with certain games, you know, D and D is always going to be an overlap area. Uh, but you know, folks on one end are going to kind of gravitate towards these indie games and, uh, stuff like that. And the tourists are just going to, Every anything any of those big Seattle companies puts out, they're, they're just going to be on top of, you know, and that's that's their that's what they're going to go with. Mm-hmm. Sucks, but that's life, you know. <laughs> Not much you can do about it. 
Man, the the city of Seattle really went downhill after Fraser Crane left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, I was just thinking, um, I was watching a mystery science theater and uh, last night it was it was one of the new ones, which aren't very funny, but uh, mm-hmm. I guess one, one of the characters in this one movie looked like... Uh, <laughs> look like Frasier Crane. So they were, <laughs> the whole, all throughout, they were just making all these references like, you know, take that with scrambled eggs. Boom. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I've never been there. So I hate to castigate, you know, a place, mm-hmm. you know, I've never been to in the same respect, you know, I was never in Germany in the thirties and I'm pretty sure I'd, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be there either. Uh, so, um, you know, it's, I, I don't think I need to be in the, uh, the neo-Marxist capital of, uh, the uh, Western hemisphere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like people who know me know I'm, I'm pretty much in everything but name a Southern nationalist. So like I'm in Tennessee, I'm good. I'm I'm good to stay (laughs) in my little corner of the United States. Uh, You know, I'm from North Carolina. I love Texas. I love the entire South. And, you know, I'll keep it. We'll be coming down there soon. Um, nice. Uh, we're we're going down to uh, actually all the way down to uh, South Carolina. Going to going down oh, nice. to Charleston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Charleston. Charleston's nice. I have a love hate relationship with Charleston, but you know it, it's definitely a nice city, and there's a lot of fun stuff to do there. I know all the locals are uh, are kind of pissed at all the Yankees that are <laughs> that are coming yes. down. I have a uh, I have a friend that used to work on uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, for a long time and he's a lobbyist now so he uh he him and his wife and his you know they have a family they built a house down in charleston uh, probably a little bit before it was trendy mm-hmm. and he was just yeah he was just saying how the, the locals there they, they for the first couple of years they they weren't having it you know I, I guess it's better now but uh yeah all the, all these yankees <laughs> flooding the place and then some of them staying Oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. well and in charleston there's this real concern uh, like we're seeing this in Nashville, there is a concerted effort to tear down the honky tonks and basically just replace them with more apartment buildings. Oh, geez, really? And like the, there, there are some locals who are like, well, we don't really like the honky tonks. Those are for tourists anyway. But then there are also people who are like, yeah, but this is music city. If you yeah. get rid of the music. Yeah, it's your then, whole identity. <laughs> then, then we're just going to turn into like crappy Atlanta. And in yeah. Charleston, you've got all that history there. And so if you start knocking down historical buildings, God forbid you start knocking down something like Rainbow Row and just putting up, you know, uh, tenement blocks. Right. Then what's the point anymore? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's I'm sure it's something that a lot of places are are struggling with. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, I'm happy to just be a tourist there and, uh, you know, not, not, not be a local. Trust me where I live. Uh, we, we don't have this problem. <laughs> people try to, people try to get out of, uh, where I am. It's not as bad as it used to be, but, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't have an, a, a great influx, uh, anymore. How's your what housing? State are you in? I'm in Pennsylvania. Yeah, okay. Kinda, gotcha. Kind of, kind of Western PA. Is the housing market down there crazy? Yes, it's absolutely insane. Um, even even here, I mean, it, it, this housing market was so stable. You know, I mean, it was probably below average. And then, in the last three years, my son and his fiance are trying to buy a house. They finally got one, but oh my god, like three or four times, they 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 put in bids. Yeah. Immediately, 
just whatever the seller was asking for, they got probably about 10,000 over. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I'll put Meat's comment up here again. Um, basically, what we have are, you know, it's people from New York, people from California. Uh, they're selling their, you know, crappy apartments for way more than they're worth. And they're coming down here and putting cash down way over asking price sight unseen, waiving all inspections, everything on these houses, because they're just going to tear them down, build a new house where the old house was because right. I mean, they can afford to, so they can afford to knock down the house that was there and just build up a nice new house with all the proceeds that they got from selling their crappy place in California or New York or wherever it is they're coming from. And they're still profiting in the end. So I hear a lot of it too is also like there's not as many spec houses, you know, being oh, built yeah. for a, for a variety of reasons. I mean, so some some of it's labor related, can't find cra you know, good craftsmen or you know, they're they're in really high demand or like in insane building codes like my wife was saying. I don't know if it was around here or somewhere close, but like they were toying around with like any new house had to have like a sprinkler system in in it. It's like could you imagine that having to put a an entire sprinkler system in, in a new house. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Also, uh, meat. I'm not saying dox yourself, but what part of Tennessee are you in? Because there might be open space at one of my tables. Ooh, there you go. Meat. Meat's a good lad. He was, uh, he was one of my first, uh, one of my very first, uh, subscribers, mm -hmm. you know, co commenters. He'd comment on every video. Has a very memorable name. Gotcha. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> so un unfortunately, Knoxville, I I'm in Nashville Metro, so Knoxville is very far away, but um, your your mayor is amazing. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, well, you, maybe one day you guys can meet in the middle. Hmm. Yeah, I go to Knoxville on business quite often. There you go. But no, there, there is one other question. I, I We've gone way afield of kind of the original uh topic but there's one other question everyone gets asked when they come on rolling bones uh that we'll get to right now and i just want to know you know what's your fondest rpg memory what is that one memory you hold on to that keeps you going through you know all the crap that can come from being a fan of rpgs what's that one solid memory that just gives you the strength to keep going one more day well, I, I think it was probably, I've had many of them, but the, this one event always kind of keeps sticking in my mind because it, it wasn't so much a result of, you know, my great DMing, but it was sort of a result of just kind of having a stable campaign, just kind of keeping things going. And it happened in our birthright uh, campaign. God, probably, I would say at least uh, 12 years ago now. Um, but it was just, it was just this one event where, um, you know, the, the guys were fighting in this war and um, it came down to, uh, it was uh, my friend Gavin Morgan. He was in the middle of a battlefield and it was, the thing is, it was not planned. I, I did not plan it. You know, it's kind of like a battle, you know, we were like doing it oh, tactically. Yeah. So everything was just kind of, you know, kind of going the way it went. And he had a chance. He was in the, he literally in the middle and, uh, my friend Rogan, his character was was dying, literally like 
one more round, he's dead. Or the guy that they suspected and, you know, more or less was like kind of the villain of that campaign was also down on the other side. So he had a chance to save his friend, save his compatriot and friend, or make sure that the enemy uh, was killed. <laughs> so he was just thinking about it, thinking about it. He's like, I'm going to go over there and kill you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the villain. And the Rogan's guy died. Um, so it was, um, I was just kind of, you know, thinking back and we were all just kind of blown away, like just how kind of like organically it happened. I'm just thinking like, well, that's kind of the power of, you know, the games. You can kind of, you can force things like that, of course, but it's, it's a little cheaper when it happens. But when something like that happens spontaneously, something poetic, something almost literary with, you know, characters that have been worked on at that point for probably, you know, two years, at least two Mm -hmm. to three years for that particular iteration. Um, It was really satisfying. Yeah. But yeah, there's plenty more, you know, but uh, that one always, I always kind of think about that uh, as, uh, you know, an example of, uh, you know, the best of gaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the things um, I, I, I say this coming from the 5e tradition. I started playing with 5e mm-hmm. and I started playing with games that were very plot focused. So there was a lot of kind of story game stuff in my early games, especially the games that I was DMing, because I thought that's what you had to do. Mm -hmm. Something I've come to realize is that while you can script the coolest possible event in your mind and you can set it up so that the players encounter this thing, they might think it's cool for a little bit, but there is nothing cooler than the moment that stumbled upon organically. And you get more of those moments when you leave your campaign open and let the players pursue what they want to pursue, because then it's cool for them because it's it's the consequences of their actions have led them to this point. It's not something you set up on the back end. It's something they got themselves into. Exactly. You know, I in that same campaign, Gavin's character who killed, you know, the enemy and let his friend die. He ended up dying. Well, these yeah. guys ended up resurrecting him. I don't go. I don't go for resurrection very much. So I said, you know what? Hmm. Um, I will. I'm going to do this. Um, I normally don't do like earth-changing events, but I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to put in that this is, has almost created like a paradox of some kind, and it is literally starting to rip the land apart. And it was kind of cool. It was a very it was a very good uh, cap to the uh, campaign. I don't, I don't want to say it was railroaded because, you know, the stuff was just happening and it was up to them, you know, what they wanted to do. Of course, you know, they're the heroes, I guess, you know, they're going to fight it. But during that time, like this, you know, the gateway was open. Um, all these demons briefly came through and then the portal was closed by the by, you know, my group. You know, and they took care of business, you know, everything went back to normal. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, they'll stumble upon these demons. And uh, in my latest live play, they stumbled on another one of these demons that made it through and now has to make its make its way in this world. Oh, yeah. And he, he had literally slaughtered an entire <laughs> population of elves. Like mm-hmm. the, the elves in uh, Birthright are very um, insular. You know, they don't yep. mingle. They, they're very... Um, 
you know, keep to themselves. You know, mm-hmm. but the players wanted to go in. They wanted to return something to them, and you know, they just kept going further and further in. They're like, "What is going on here? What is going?" On? And then they finally met. Um, they met the uh, the beast of Inishire, and it was this demon that had been let through twenty years earlier. And they they made the comment at the end. Rogan's like, "I wonder how many, you know, tens of thousands of people have died because of that one campaign." You know, when we, <laughs> yeah. when we decided to resurrect, what's it? You know, Fletcher Morgan was his name, uh, the character. Mm-hmm. What are the consequences of that? So, you know, I, I like having that kind of stuff too. There's a, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of story, by the way. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, little story is good. Um, you know, it's, I, I like a good blend, you know, between the two. You know, a nice, you know, of course, uh, give them the freedom always to do what they want, you know, and have mm-hmm. that sandbox. But, you know, there's, there's no reason you can't be thinking like, okay, this is going on in the world as they're doing this. That's yeah. the story aspect. And then it's up to you to, you know, change that based on the player's actions or inaction. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I've argued with people um, for saying this, or I said this and it caused an argument, but I tell people a lot, the fact of the matter is if someone dug a hole in the ground and put a bunch of treasure in there, they did it for a reason. And so the mere existence of a dungeon necessitate some kind of story around why that dungeon was built, what that dungeon was, uh, you know, why the treasure was hidden there. What are all these rooms? What are all these monsters doing here? So story and, and gameplay are tied together. That's why it's a role playing game. Um, I I just like the story to come to, to be emergent, to come from the players interacting with this world I've set up for them. I set this world in motion and the players are now going to try and stick things in the gears and see what happens so they can yeah. make the clock stop or something like that. Yeah. Part of what they consider, you know, I guess, story gaming. I mean, part of that is just just doing your job as a DM. Yeah. You can't just mm-hmm. sit there and, you know, un- coldly unfurl, you know, a map and say, point to where you want to go. Okay, you're there. You know, it's like... You, there has to be some color and life, you know, to the world, you know, now there's a huge difference between that and, you know, what we see with, you know, some of the sparkle trolls and, you know, the, just the, the insanity of, uh, you know, catering that that's done to them. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's story probably gets a bad name for good reason these days, but, uh, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't shun it because, you know, story is just another way of saying you have a, a living, breathing world. Mm-hmm. So, and and how much your players want to know what's going on, and it is up to them, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I actually talked about this uh, a few months ago on uh, Natural Ones with the Basic Expert and and Victor Gorchev. Um, good guys. There, there's this reactionary streak in those of us who are aligned with the OSR or the bro SR or whatever kind of movement we, we have uh, now kind of split into, um, there's the streak of reactionaryism where if, if the other side wants it, I want the opposite. If they're for it, I'm again it as, as I like to say, as a, a Tennessee resident. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you've got these kind of newfangled modern players who are like, it's all about the story. It's all about, uh, you know, the, the, the big Strixhaven uh, enchanted 
under the sea prom or whatever it is that they're they're playing in their games and so on the other side you know the the indie movement the osr movement reacts and says well we're going to have no story whatsoever you're just you go into the dungeon and kill everything in sight and take everything that's not nailed down neither approach is good somewhere in the middle is where yeah. you want to be so yeah. we have to kind of fight that instinct to just react 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 to what the other side is doing uh, it's very well very well said um very well taken yeah i mean it's <laughs> You're you're absolutely right in in the the uh, reactionary part. Uh, you know, I don't, I I, don't, I never want to you know turn off because you know I'm sure I get all kinds you know in my audience. So I'll I'll just say this I, without saying like you know one is bad or whatever. But we we should all realize you know with it, there's plenty of uh, enemies out there, <laughs> you know that uh, are very easily identifiable. Don't don't hate someone because you know oh my god he he allows backstories in their game or oh my god he you know he he has this uh, overarching, you know, plot, you know, even though it's, it's not something that's, that's railroaded, you know, it's something that the players can, you know, interact with and change and reverse and do, do it, gum up the works and, you know, do whatever they want with it. So, yeah, there is that tendency. I mean, I suppose it's just because, you know, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of us are a little more, you know, freedom oriented, I guess, I guess, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe a little more libertarian in mindset. So we, we do have that sort of, of you you would call it contrarian spirit in us. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you, you do have to kind of know friend from foe and realize like, all right, guys, you know, this as Ronald as the great Ronald Reagan said, uh, you know, if someone agrees with you 80 um, percent of the time, you know, he, he's not a 20 percent traitor. He's he's an 80 percent ally and friend. You know, you yeah. just, just got to realize that you're not going to win them all. And um you know, I have, I'm going to have uh, RPG Pundit on my show uh, tomorrow at mm. uh, 7. And, uh, yeah, he, he, I never understand how he, he gets a lot of flack. Now, he is a little a little more uh, controversial and, and spicy. You know, he he, he likes to uh, say certain things. And he's not afraid to block people on Twitter, you know. but uh, and, and, you know, some of my audience is like, well, you know, Pundit blocked me. And it's like, yeah, I understand. I don't get in the middle of Twitter beefs. You know, that's right. not my thing. But, you know, I will look and it's like, well, let me see the offending tweet. And it's like, you know, pundit, you're an asshole. And it's like, well, what did you expect? You know, he's, mm. he's, you know, so some people are, you know, just fine or they'll just mute you or whatever. Or they'll just say, eh, you know, some people just don't want to hear it. So it's like, I, I don't know. But yeah, mm. we, we should kind of have a we should we should always allow for uh, disagreement and um, discussion. But uh, we should fall short of, you know, accusation and, you know, ca casting out people that aren't with us 100%. Yeah. There, there, there's a difference. And I think we all know. I mean, I think most of us can determine, right? Yeah. And I, I've had this conversation with a couple people. Um, Alex McCreese was kind of the one who really laid it out for me. Um, and he said, basically, there there's no enemies to our right. There, you know, no one who's on our side to a degree should be someone that we're fighting with. And because it's us against the literally the biggest monolith in the entire industry. It is a, a multinational corporation that owns the biggest role playing game, the D, the ampersand and the D, the the initials that everyone associates with this entire hobby 
is what we're up against. Um, so this kind of devolving into petty squabbles and being like crabs in a bucket trying to pull each other down, um, you know, that that's something I don't want to see. You know, for example, my, my good friend Crossface, um, people were, someone started going at him because he runs 5e in a school group for for kids yeah he's running 5e because 5e is the one that has the the program that the schools recognize he's teaching kids how to play right he's you know crossface is an incredible player incredible gm incredible dude he's doing what we all should be doing in that he's going after those young players and showing them how to play but just because he has to use 5e in this instance and and by the way he switched to castles and crusades it's a non-issue at this point so don't go after someone for stupid reasons especially when they're doing good things well i have a lot of sympathy for that because that is uh, exactly our story you know yeah. I mean, we, we switched a few months ago you know we you know we had always tried to keep you know abreast of the uh, latest edition you know we always thought like well let's be cutting edge you know like the, the whole OSR thing, you know, I mean, it, keep in mind, it, it did come about and, you know, when you first started to hear about it, I mean, I know it was it was out there, but you didn't start to really hear about it until like, you know, the, the late, uh, you know, 2000s. But, you know, there was a lot of love for third edition and I understand fourth edition was not very well thought of. And that's really when I think you started to hear a lot about the OSR, you know, 2008 to, to 2000 and, you know, 12 you know once fifth edition came around it was like all all was right again and we were even a little late adapting fifth edition we probably didn't start playing that till 2017 i think mm-hmm. but you know i i played with a, a group you know someone in a group i used to meet up with at gen con was like hey you want to play some fifth edition he was a pretty good dm and i'm like hey you know what? yeah and i played and i'm like you know what this this ain't a bad game uh, we were playing pathfinder at that point which is you know is just third edition so it's like, well, this is something different. You know, I like this advantage, disadvantage thing. So uh, let's go with it. You know, but even, you know, 2017 doesn't seem that long ago. And even then it wasn't like, oh, yeah, we're <laughs> we're sidling up with the enemy. It was just like, oh, yeah, this is just the newest edition of D&D. You know, you, you didn't start to get that feeling until, you know, 2019, 2020. You know, yeah. the more they, the more they <laughs> started to talk mm-hmm. and reveal themselves. You know, but yeah, I mean, and then a lot of folks are stuck, you know, because it's like, well, I I have this fifth edition campaign and it's been going on so long. And I've always told my audience, I'm not going to tell you what to play. If you're if you're playing fifth edition and liking it, keep playing it and, and enjoy it. But mm-hmm. just maybe think twice about buying stuff directly from Wizards of the Coast, because there's so much third party stuff out there. Oh, yeah. You don't need to buy a Strixhaven or, you know, you're not missing anything or Journey to the Radiant Citadel. It's garbage. Yeah. You know, just, just take what you have. Enjoy it. And if you're ready to move on, you know, there's plenty of good options out there. As you said, uh, Castles and Crusades, which, uh, you know, we are loving right now. So. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm working on something for Castles and Crusades right now. Like um, writing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to get my first adventure published. And it's going to be initially for Castles and Crusades. So. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I look forward to seeing that. Yeah. I'm, uh, I started um, I started writing something. It was a couple months ago, and I have laid it down. I'm going to maybe try to pick it back up in, uh, when I go on vacation. 
Um, right now, I'm I'm writing it about the pace of uh, J.D. Salinger, so uh, <laughs> we, we gotta we gotta pick that up a little bit. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, I, I did have something published way back in the day. There used to be a magazine called Dungeon. Oh yeah. So I, I had a small adventure uh, published in that. Um, hmm. A couple of articles here and there. You know, back when I was kind of in my prime. You know, third edition was you know rolling good, and you know we were knee deep in it. So good times. Hmm. But yeah, I'm due to uh, to put something else out there. Let my audience see what I can do, for better yeah. or worse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and. You know, that's the, that's what we need to be doing at this stage. Um, the, the mask is fully off with these people. They have already revealed to us exactly who they are, exactly what they're going to be. There's a lot, you know, you can get people to watch a video where you break stuff down about, okay, here's exactly the crazy thing that they did. Like, you know, the Pinkerton situation. That was right. just hilarious. So I don't, you know... I, I can't besmirch anyone for, you know, making a video on the Pinkerton situation or anything like that. But but yeah. ultimately, at the end of the day, while it's fun to point out when they're doing stupid things, we also now need to be going, OK, but here's what we offer. Here's yeah. the the creative mojo, the energy behind what we have. I bet you'll like this a lot better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're doing it right too by doing an adventure. I mean, we have, there's so many good systems in OSR. And I, I know there's more coming, which mm -hmm. is great. But at a certain point, you're probably going to get some saturation. Oh, yeah. Because, because a lot of folks are, um, they're really beholden to, you know, I guess they would almost consider them sacred. And I'm not saying that as a put down, you know, but kind of like mm -hmm. the OSR, the Beckme. Yeah. Um, you know, that that kind of stuff. So there's only going to be so much variation. You know, that's why I always kind of like, you know, what Dungeon Crawl Classics did. You know, it's mm -hmm. you could look at that and be like, yeah, this is OSR. But then you look at it, and you're like, well, is it? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> rules wise, you know, is it? But it's like it's its own thing. I would still call it, you know, spiritually OSR. And I know Goodman mm -hmm. Games is not, you know, they've, they've done some kind of questionable sort of woke stuff. Um, I still don't I still don't know if it's as bad as this is another area, another topic you know, we could go into. And it's like, how, how do you separate some of these companies? It's like, mm -hmm. you know, Goodman, they, they changed, you know, to like neutral pronouns, like they, you know, which, which a lot of folks have done. And I'm not uh, defending it, mm -hmm. but it's like, okay. But other than that, it's like you go on their Twitter account. Are they insulting fans? Are they blocking people willy nilly? It's like, at some point you have to put them, in comparison to Paizo and put them in comparison to Wizards of the Coast and, you know, D&D &D and how they treat people. And it's just the, the insane stuff that they do. Yeah. And all right. So you may not like that, you know, they, they changed the wording and, you know, they, they maybe they donated to some questionable charities, but good Lord, they're not, they don't seem to be in people's faces right all the time and getting into it with fans and that at some point you got to realize like, all right, I, I, I don't agree with these guys politically but as long as they don't keep as long as they're not actively hating me and insulting me we can do business hmm. yeah and and that's why i i always kind of stick up for goodman games because one the community around dungeon crawl classics and mutant crawl classics has been very good to me they, they very much kind of embraced mm -hmm. me and you know kind of brought me into the fold 
I it, they make amazing games. I've got you know DCC over here on my shelf. I have DCC Lankmar, which is phenomenal. Anyone who's a Fawford and the Gray Mouser fan who hasn't picked that up, you are doing yourself a disservice. I'm gonna, yeah, because I am and I haven't yet. So yeah, I'm, I think I'm gonna do that. It it really is amazing, and it works so well with kind of the DCC engine. But you know, the, again, they've done. You know, they've moved to to neutral pronouns, which I know, like if you're if your name is Max Liao, you're automatically out at that point. But you have yep. to you have to look at the fact that Goodman Games is first and foremost a games company. That's all that they're focused on is putting out DCC and MCC and all of the associated products. They work with just about anyone they aren't, you know, yep. clamping down on people for certain content in their games. There's a very good uh, kind of offshoot game called Weird Frontiers that my friend David Beatty made, which is Weird West with the DCC engine. They didn't nice. take a scrub brush to any of that. You know, it, they are allowing good creative product to be made. And at the end of the day, that is all that matters to me. Yeah. Now, somebody in the chat... Uh... Rex Teal says that they're removing art that they claim to be too violent or too sexist. Now, if that's the case, you know, that's it's not a good precedent. And uh, yeah, I mean, maybe and who knows, maybe this is just kind of like the camel's nose under the tent for just kind of a slow slide. Um, that's but, that's possible. Yeah. But and you never know. But I'm just saying, like right now, they're not they don't appear to be actively like, like I mean. You can't sit there and say, "Well, yeah, we got we got horrible companies like Evil Hat and Goodman Games." <laughs> those those two are not the same, right. you know. And you, you do have to make a distinction, and that's why I don't know if you've ever seen the you know the the RPG list on on Pundit <laughs> site, but uh, yeah, you know, they got they got Goodman in red and they got Evil Hat in red. I'm like, well, I mean, c come on, yeah. the red means nothing if you know you can just throw anybody in you know kind of in there with Evil Hat. You know, you can yeah. either make another category or you know. Bump. most of that list should be yellow is my contention because most companies yeah. aren't perfect and you know it should just be yellow with a good description of what's going on hey they're doing this you know but they don't insult fans or they are insulting fans but they're keeping their game pretty clean um you know so you can make an informed decision but mm -hmm. yeah so it's 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 very tough you know you got to make compromises look and i'm i'm i know you like medieval history i like world war ii history you know oh, yeah. <laughs> We, we look we we had to send a shitload of material to the soviet union even mm -hmm. though we probably knew at the time if they survived you know they were going to be our enemy we still did it you know and and willingly did it because it suited our needs at the time so you know everybody do what you have to do but i'm just saying you know i don't know there there is a little bit of a difference between some of these folks mm -hmm. yeah and and Again, with what Perfect Tangent is saying here, I don't think they do, because again, I I do know a few of the people who work for Goodman. That could this could all change tomorrow. Um, right. Like with what Rex said, if I look into it tomorrow, and you know, it, it looks like they've kind of gone a little further than I hope they've gone. Yeah. Then then you can consider my whole endorsement of Goodman Games retracted. Yeah. Yeah, and mine too. Yeah, I mean, if they they start going down the look, the sens sensitivity reader is just a commissar. Yeah. Uh, so, so that you are declaring to the world now, uh, you know, we are pod people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Once they do that, um, 
you can you can firmly put them in the red you know put them on your you know like i can sell this game i can sell these books now or what you know whatever if you want mm -hmm. but uh these you know we're, we're done so, and a lot yeah. of it does come down to who like who controls the game and to to eric's point here pinnacle yes pinnacle has has done a couple things that you know we, we might not like at the end of the day though shane hensley is a sensible person and again shane is someone that i know and you know he's not mm -hmm. i i know shane well enough to know he's not going to go down the the path of craziness and if something ends up happening that way with pinnacle then you know you you know there's kind of trouble in paradise at that point um but that's but that's also the one that i would always compare goodman to is yeah. pinnacle because it's like all right well on that rpg uh site list it's like oh well uh pinnacle's green it's like well hold on a minute you know i mean if you're gonna hold some companies to a certain standard you do have to hold pinnacle and i understand shane is well thought of and i, I don't i don't doubt it for a minute that he's a good dude the same respect he bowed to pressure and got rid of the CSA in mm -hmm. Deadlands. And it's like, well, why are you do, why are you doing that? This is almost, uh, you know, kind of a, a reversal where some of that stuff is kind of, you know, seeped in, you know, maybe not directly, but indirectly into the game, even though, mm -hmm. you know, as you said, they're not attacking fans. So uh, just right. more, more proof that you just, you got to have your own line. And honestly, these days, you better be prepared to bend it when you have to because uh, mm. you may find yourself playing nothing <laughs> at the yeah. you know if you if you if you think everybody's going to be perfect uh, i don't know then other there are certainly some like pundit i think is pretty solid uh greg gillespie you know when he comes out with his game is going to be solid you know other other folks mm. uh, a basic expert who you mentioned oh yeah you know, he's got his game coming out so yeah some of these guys are going to be uh you know a true blue Mm -hmm. But, you know, if sometimes your party, you know, they, they want to play a game with some support, you know, and it's like, all right, mm -hmm. well, we're not going to play D&D. &D. All right. We got these alternatives. None of them are perfect. Which one yeah. do you want? <laughs> well, yeah. And, and it's always good to, you know, give your money to good people and, you know, give your money to, to people who, you know, care about this hobby and care about making good games and so like I, I definitely understand the sentiment of you want to you know give your money to the you know the the people who are focused on quality and and stuff like that you know so i understand but like you said at the end of the day there's so much that's just become kind of the cost of doing business for a lot of these companies that to a degree we have to get past yeah look even castles and crusades you know they before they had their shining moment you know they had a pretty bad moment you know with uh jason vey you know going yeah. off on on a bunch of stuff and i did a couple videos on it like what, what is this guy doing you know castles mm -hmm. and crusades what are you doing you know this is long before i you know switched to him mm -hmm. you know then they, then they made that magical statement which is all anybody has to do yeah you just got to make that statement say we're games only and then mm -hmm weather the storm because you're going to get piled on for two days and then they're going to forget about you yeah exactly That's all you got to do mm -hmm. all you got to do because we know even a cat even at troll lord there's 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 folks you know i'm, I'm not under any illusion that jason vays all of a sudden you know now on you know kind of our side but that's okay <laughs> he doesn't have to be you know if, right if he 
and he, he seems to have learned his lesson and you know hey more power to him you know he's he's kind of laid low hasn't said anything like that i think he even admitted like you know having a bad day shouldn't have done it mm-hmm. look that's that's all we need yeah you're you're forgiven go and sin no more you know even though we're not going to be you know agreeing on much politically yeah, yeah. it's okay exactly yeah and it's and that's the thing that i think unites a lot of us here because again the osr is not a monolith or the kind of the anti-watsi movement is not a monolith there's a lot of different types of people and political opinions and views on things and i i think kind of what brings us together and what makes this you know work in the rpg world is the only thing that we all care about is the game we just want to play the game. We just want to, uh, like like Basic Expert says, play the elf game. That's that's our priority here. I don't need to see my politics reflected one-to-one in the game. I don't want to see any real-world politics reflected one-to-one in the game. Yeah. So I, I, I will, I will uh, jump in here just to sit second because I, I do see that said a lot and like hey it's just an elf game and and i, I understand the sentiment behind it and what you're mm-hmm. saying is is perfectly true yeah but we also and i i think you're aware of this but you know maybe some of these folks are, are in the middle and, and they don't realize that they're they're already in a war and uh mm-hmm. you know it's like okay you know i understand the sentiment i just want to be left alone and play this yeah that's that's not changing the fact that people out there are trying to change the way that you play and they keep taking and taking. And I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe you kind of keep just kind of like giving and saying like, okay, fine, you know, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. going to come a point where it's like, you're going to, these people are going to look around and be like, what the hell happened? There's nothing left. There's going to be folks like us saying like, we we tried to warn you, you know, you, you know, we're not, we're not asking you to like take a huge stand, but you know, just, maybe hold the line, you know, a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. so you, you don't want to bury your head in the sand and, and uh, just kind of pretend that you're not under assault, uh, especially to say it, but if you're a white male, yeah, the Seattle companies don't like you, period. Even though that's all they employ is white males and mm-hmm. you know, crazy, you know, females and others. Yeah. Um, they, they don't like you and they don't want you. Mm-hmm. And um, they, guess what? They have the bully pulpit because they have the name, you know, they have D and D they have Pathfinder. Yep. So all these, all these new people coming in, you know, at some point um, you're going to realize how much these people hate you because it's being taught to them. Oh yeah. Yeah. The company that makes the game. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and honestly, when I say I just want to play the elf game, you know, I, I understand, you know, the, like, Oren McIntyre says the the people who want to be left alone will always be trampled on by the people who want to win. It's not just that I want to be left alone. I want to win. I want right. the, the kind of people who won't let me just play a fantasy role-playing game. I want them out. I want them gone. And I don't want them to come back. And so mm-hmm. I will do whatever I have to do to push them out. I'm not just going to you know, silo myself and silo my table out. And I hope that you guys will do the same. The, the message we should be sending is that is not welcome here. And, you know, it, you are either going to chill out and just enjoy this game or you're going to leave. 
that's the message that we should send. You you yep. accept that this is fiction. This is a fictional world. These are fictional concepts. Nothing that is in this game is happening to, you know, people in the real world. This is all our escape from the, you know, the grind of reality for just a few hours a week. And if you're not down with that, I got two words for you. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, it'll, I think it's again, well, well said. And like you said earlier, you know, it's not that we're asking for our politics to be in it now. No, I yeah. mean, it's just, we don't, we don't, we don't want that. Um, but it, it's, I almost feel it, it's worthless saying that now because the other side's not listening. And it, it, here's, here's where it gets dangerous. It's, it's when the people in the middle who just want to be left alone find themselves set, like censoring themselves at the table. Like, Oh, Hey, we're going to do a, uh, Hey, you know, guys, we're going to do a, um, scenario on oh god i was going to have them start you know in a slave market you know not even like involved in it but just they were passing through and it's like um uh, okay guys you're going through a uh, food market <laughs> that's what you're going through when i'm just saying if you if you're one of these non-political people and you found yourself in a situation like that congratulations that's where yep. they win. Yeah, you've given in. Yeah, that's 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 where they you've given in. And man, it's tough. I understand. It's 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 not easy sometimes. But at some point, you gotta you gotta take a stand and say, "No, nah, I'm gonna do this." Mm -hmm. I mean, and look, if if you're listening to this or my show, you know, you, you probably don't have to tell you this, but if somebody in your game says, "Like, how dare you do that?" I mean, look, you can try to explain to them once and say, look, you know, this we we deal with some of this stuff. You know, I'm not going to deal with it in a juvenile way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to deal with it like an adult. You know, this is a story, you know, but we're going to deal with it. Yeah. They don't like it. Say, OK, sorry to see you go. Not really, but <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like to bring it back to Dark Sun, if you want to run that that module one freedom, you start as slaves. I yeah. wrote up a whole uh, zero level table for running Dark Sun in Dungeon Crawl Classics where you start as slaves. So, you mm -hmm. know, if I'm going to run Dark Sun, we're going to do Dark Sun by God. We're going to do it right. And, you know, again, if you don't like it, you know, if you don't like that, you know, these concepts are being talked about, then yeah. And, and me, I, I, me I yes, that was Degeneration X. So yeah. I almost wonder if you could get, uh, get some cachet with these people. If you just say, oh, but don't worry, all the slaves are white. <laughs> <laughs> that would satisfy him and be like, okay, well, all right, <laughs> I'm going to be watching you, but uh, you, you're, uh, you're okay with me, partner. <laughs> all right, fine. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> Degeneration X. Yeah. Are you, are you a wrestling fan? I'm a huge wrestling fan. Who's your favorite all-time uh, wrestler? Favorite all time, um, Stone Cold's up there. Uh, also, just because of the generation that I grew up in, AJ Styles is also up there for me. Okay. Yeah, I, I have bl I have blank spots in my hi history. I I was a classic fan in the late '80s, early '90s. 
believe it or not, I missed, I was just, just in the period of my life, I was having kids and that, and I did not watch, you know, the, the golden era, you know, like 96, 97 through, you know, 2000. Hmm. And then here and there, and I've kind of started to watch it a little bit more uh, uh, lately. Yep. Do you like I, a, do you like AEW? No, no, I'm, WWE, um, yeah. well, and I have my problems with WWE as well. My whole thing with wrestling is I, I'm kind of an old soul in that I like it to look real. I like it when yep. they try to be real. So, you know, like going back and, and looking in retrospect, I'm, I missed this man's pretty much the, the entire prime of his career, but I love big van Vader. Oh, I like yeah. Stan Hansen. You know, I like the guys who actually looked like they were laying it in and trying to hurt each other because again, and, and to tie this back into role-playing for those of you who I lose when I talk about wrestling, <laughs> um, when like Alex McCreese and I were talking about simulationism, I like making it one-to-one. -one. I like this thing, this approximation of combat sports in the wrestling world or, you know, medieval battles or medieval fantasy and role-playing i like it to be as close to reality as it can be so that i can lose myself in yeah. this world and like like meat said once no one believes the magic is gone so i want to do as much as i possibly can to, to keep that magic alive both in role-playing and then in wrestling and so there's a lot of wrestling that just doesn't do it for me anymore it's it's maybe I have a gift. Um, I can, I don't want to say turn my brain off, but I oh, can yeah. turn part of my brain off and I, I can literally watch a match and be and almost be in a state where I, yeah, I know it's, it's not real, real, but I, I don't know who's going to win. You know, mm -hmm. only they do. Yeah. So it's like, I, I can be surprised, you know, we were watching a, a horror movie, you know, we, we always have these movie nights um, where we watch good cheesy like 80s uh, horror movies um, <laughs> and I was I'm just watching it and I mean it was one of the ones where you know you, you could kind of guess maybe who the killer was and everybody around me you know my my whole group is like <laughs> I bet you it's this guy I bet you it's this guy and I'm like <laughs> I have no desire to do that I just right. I want to watch it unfold I don't I don't care who it is and I'll I'll probably be a little surprised even if maybe I suspected it in my mind you know mm -hmm. I don't know it's, a, it's yeah. a good thing to have that that ability to kind of turn that stuff off. Yeah. And again, like I enjoy watching modern wrestling. The only time I don't is when I feel like I'm being told blatantly to my face, hey, this isn't real. Like when a yeah. dude stands there on the outside with his hands up waiting for someone to dive on him, that's where <laughs> I kind of turn off. And I'm like, OK, you, you're not just going to stand there and watch that guy jump on top of your head. But for the most part, I can watch a modern wrestling match and get into it. It's why, why I like kind of watching, uh, even though I, I, I caught him like in the late 80s, early 90s, and then I, I kind of missed his, well, what was his glory time? And it's an odd choice, but I love Psycho Sid or Sid Vicious. <laughs> yep. Just, and you can almost watch his whole career on YouTube, and it's like mm. the, the, him just destroying these jobbers. And yeah, you can say it's fake. Go watch how violently he is throwing yeah. these guys around. Those guys are taking a beating. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
But yeah, like you, you hit on something interesting there, talking about that horror movie when you said you don't care who it is, you want to see it unfold. Um, people think I'm insane for this, but sometimes I will look up how a movie ends before I watch it mm-hmm. because I don't care about spoilers. If knowing the ending ruins the entire experience, then it's a bad experience. And like a good experience of a story, a book, a movie, uh, a wrestling match, even when you know the outcome, you know, even when you have already watched uh, Savage Steamboat from WrestleMania three, you can still go back to that match and still get lost in all the false finishes, all the way that they put that match together. The, you know, the technical mastery of these two guys at the at the peak of their powers going through this kind of grueling competition. If the only thing that you have to uh, sell your movie, like, like meat said here, if all you have is a twist, then you just have a gimmick. Yep. So yeah, it's good to be surprised by an ending or, you know, to, to not see something coming and then it happens. But at the same time, if you do know that it's happening and that takes away from your story, then it's a bad story. It's about the stuff in the middle as well. It's not just the ending. It's it's how you arrive there. Yeah, and I mean, I would... I see I see what you're saying. And I almost use uh, maybe like the usual suspects as, yeah. a, um, as an example. And honestly, I think over time, I think that movie, it's just a gimmick. I, I've never really wanted to rewatch that once I, you know, knew the, uh, you know, the the twist. But you know, there are other movies where, you know, there there is a reveal, and you can kind of keep watching it. It's like I, I don't care about that. It's everything that built up to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many how many usual suspect fans we have in there, <laughs> but uh, it, not that it was a bad movie. It was it was a a good movie. But to me, it just had no replayability because mm-hmm. the stuff that built up to the ending, to me, I don't know, it just it was good, but it wasn't great, and it didn't never made me want to watch it again. Uh, honestly, I think that movie's lost a lot of its cachet just because of how terrible a person Brian Singer turned out to be, and Kevin Spacey. And, and Kevin Spacey, yeah. But yeah, exactly. I, that's another one where you kind of have to turn off your mm-hmm. turn off your brain. Look, I can. I can still watch uh, Jane Fonda roll around half naked in Barbarella and, and yeah. like it, even though she's, you know, she, she should have been. I'm, Gavin's father was in the Vietnam War and uh, he, he passed away a couple of years ago and he was cleaning out his stuff and he, he gave me a pin that his dad had. And it's a uh, frag uh, Jane Fonda pin. <laughs> <laughs> have that. I'm going to wear it on stream uh, one of these days. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, you just kind of have to. Turn your, uh, turn your, uh, whatchamacallit off, oh, the, yeah. uh, the sixth sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, is that another one? I'm trying, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know if I've ever really watched that after I knew, after I knew the, uh, the horrible secret. So uh, of all of Shyamalan's movies, the sixth sense is the one where you can actually see it build to the twist and you can actually appreciate the groundwork that he sets because that was his first movie. It was before having a twist ending was expected for him. Right. And I, I honestly, I feel the same way about Unbreakable, the, the second movie that he yeah. made. That's really good. Yeah. People, 
with Shyamalan, it seems like you get the sixth sense plus one. Everyone mm-hmm. is willing to defend the sixth sense and one other Shyamalan movie. And for me, yeah. that's unbreakable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did enjoy Unbreakable, although it's been years since I saw it. Not because I'd never wanted to re watch it. It's just that I just haven't haven't watched it, but I, I did like it. Uh I, I'm I, I'll admit I'm a Bruce Willis uh guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, Bruce Willis is great. For sure. He's uh, the ultimate example of what Chuck Dixon calls the slob hero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of uh, kind of an everyman, you know, every, yep. guys look at it and be like, you know, if I got into shape, I could, yeah. I, could do, I could do that. He doesn't have all his hair either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's losing his hair. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> he's not so much, uh, you know, more built than me. Yeah. Well, we we are kind of running up against our time here. Uh, So there's one more question that I wanted to ask. Again, this is one that everyone gets asked when they come on Rolling Bones. The answer can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. (laughs) Uh, But Double D, if you could put anything on a T-shirt, what would it be? (laughs) Oh, boy. Anything on a T-shirt, huh? Yep. Hmm. Damn. Well, I would tend to put something uh, something beautiful. So uh, I would probably I would probably err on the side of a err on the side of a woman. But I'm I'm trying to figure out like which one I would put on. What would you put on? Help me out here. What would you put on a T-shirt? Uh, the the last time I answered this question, um. It's funny that you said something beautiful because this is not at all beautiful. Uh, but I would put a picture of uh, Fofford oh, bald man. and shaved and naked, throwing the the bed that he's shackled to and shouting the jug on a T-shirt. <laughs> that is a good one. Yeah. I got I love those stories. Mm-hmm. To your question. It would honestly, it would have to be one of those like sex symbols from the, uh, you know, 60s, 70s, maybe, maybe even someone like Raquel Welch, because I just watched uh, Three Musketeers the other night. Um, Mm -hmm. God, what a beautiful woman she was. Uh, Just a knockout. Yeah. So uh, we'll go with Raquel and uh, I'll call call it a day. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, I I think there's a lot of people that would wear a Raquel Welch t-shirt, you know. They probably already have that, uh, but uh, you know, I'll probably, you know what, I'll I'll go to bed tonight and think like, oh, you dummy, you should have, you should have said this. It's the thing is like, you know, joke, <coughs> like joke T-shirts, mm. kind of overdone. Yeah, and nerd T-shirts um, are just, you know, you, you see them everywhere now. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's not that there, there's nothing wrong with them, but you know, it's it's mostly done. So I'm just thinking like maybe going back to something just simple, you know, just a. Maybe a stylized portrait of one of those like bombshells, you know, mm-hmm. like Mamie Van Doren or Raquel Welch or something yeah. like that. Yeah. One of them, one of them sex goddesses. When Just a, a really beautiful Lana Turner picture. Yes. When women were women. Yeah. yeah. You didn't. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, as we are at the end of our time, I do want to give you, uh, you know, just the the chance to plug anything that you want to plug anywhere you want to direct people. I know that uh, some there's some recent announcements that you have as far as uh, 
a new show that you've yeah. become a part of. So I'll, I will turn it over to you to uh, direct people where to go. Well, thank you. Yeah, I do have, um, you can just go to my channel, Diversity and Dragons, uh, here on YouTube. A lot of content. It's not all like culture war stuff. I mix it up purposely. I mix it up, guys. I, I really will do. Okay, you did one of these videos. Now mix it up a little. Hmm. Even though the uh, the culture war stuff, you know, obviously does a little better, but I don't want to burn myself out. So um, I do that. Every Wednesday uh, is our flagship uh, live stream. Once a week, 7 p.m. every Wednesday. We got a very active, uh, you know, great chat. We have a great connection with our fans. It's me, my buddy Crazy Mouse and Rogan. Um, and uh, actually tomorrow, um, Crazy Mouse isn't going to be there, but uh, taking his place, <laughs> uh, not by design, but he was uh, scheduled to be a guest anyways, RPG Pundit. Uh, so you guys can... Uh, We'll talk with him, find out what's going on there, and uh, you guys can ask him questions. And speaking of Pundit, as uh, Ryan intimated, uh, I am uh, I am now an inappropriate character. So uh, <laughs> if you ever, uh, <laughs> I knew I always was, but uh, if you uh, remember the uh, the show Inappropriate Characters, usually like a monthly live stream. Uh, it's RPG Pundit, uh, Avenger Satanis, and. Uh, uh, Florida man, uh, Job. Well, Job uh, is uh, is moving on to greener pastures, and uh, they were kind enough to uh, pluck me out of uh, not quite obscurity, but uh, they they plucked me nonetheless. And uh, yeah, so I think early July we were tentatively scheduled our first show. Hmm. So uh, looking forward to that too, hanging out with those guys, you know, seeing what I can bring uh, to the mix. But uh, you know, it'll essentially be the same show. You know, it's. I know my place and, um, you know, I will set those guys up as best I can. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Well, uh, double D thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I, this was a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you. I, I feel like, uh, Anytime. I, I feel like we had a, a great conversation on yeah. here. Yeah. I'd love to do it again. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for having Anytime. me. I appreciate it. You, I, I'll go ahead and open it up. You're welcome on here. Anytime you want to come on. All right, cool. I'll be back. As Arnie says, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, chat, too. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, you guys were great tonight. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, just to let you guys know, next week, uh, I will be joined for the third time by Mr. Skeeter Green of Skeeter Green Productions. And uh, in light of that, I want to uh, show something here on the screen. So I'm going to go ahead and share this with you guys. Skeeter has a Kickstarter uh, that will unfortunately be ending the day that we're talking. Uh, but those of you who uh, you know, are familiar with Skeeter's work, he's worked with Frog God Games. He does a lot of great stuff. Uh, I'm going to drop this Kickstarter here in chat for you guys. Um, this is Underland Part 1, and it's for, uh, you know, it's a series of zines for Swords and Wizardry, Dungeon Crawl Classics, Mutant Crawl Classics, and D&D. It's it's Skeeter taking a look at the Underdark. This is one of his most successful Kickstarters he's ever had. He was, you know, really jazzed about it at North Texas. So we'll be talking all about that. We'll be talking about his uh, time in the woods with uh, recent campaigns. And so, you know, this will be a, a great conversation. Conversation. Skeeter's a great guy, very creative, uh, definitely a fireball. Those of you that know him. So that'll be next week. But until then. 
Whether you rolled a one or a 20, I am so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I will see you guys next time.